Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I do encourage you to pick up your copy of my novel, Slime Incorporated. It's my first ever detective novel. It's a modern story, but with a lot of uh, nods to classic detective fiction. I think you'll enjoy it. It's available as a paperback, an audiobook, or an ebook. That is Slime Incorporated. Pick up your copy today. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Richard Diamond. The original air date, September the 6th of 1950, and this one is the misplaced laundry case. Listen while the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. evening. This is your Rexall family druggist speaking to you for the 10,000 independent druggists who have made the word Rexall part of our own store names and who recommend and sell the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company. Like Rexall aspirin, for example, there's no faster acting aspirin made than Rexall aspirin. When swallowed with water, Rexall aspirin is ready to go to work for you even before it reaches your stomach. Quality like that is what we family druggists are talking about when we tell you You can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. Now, your Rexall family druggist brings you a transcribed half hour with Richard Diamond, private detective, starring Dick Powell. Nothing has gone right all day. I called your office, but you left an hour ago. What took you so long getting home? Well, I had to stop by the laundry. Didn't have any clean shirts. Are you forgetting we're supposed to be at my mother's at seven? No, honey, I'm not forgetting. What time is it now? A little after six. No, nuts. What in the world's wrong? Well, first of all, I haven't seen anything that looks like a client for two weeks. That's unusual. I only got two hours sleep last night. You're complaining? Oh, no, 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 honey. Then what is it? Well, that stupid laundry gave me the wrong bundle. I can't go over to your mother's with my bare chest hanging out. Well, can't you go back and get the right bundle? Well, it closes at six. Oh, be practical. It was the laundry's fault, so use one of the shirts out of the wrong bundle. They'll have it clean. Now, what if it doesn't fit? Make it fit. Now, I won't have you being late again. Well, well, all right, all right. I'll see you at seven. I still love you. Then tell your mother not to suggest Monopoly again. I have to get some sleep tonight. The shirt wasn't bad, a little short in the arms, but with my charm bracelet, no one would notice. I shaved, cussed a little, showered, cussed some more. Really let loose with some choice ones while I got dressed and kept it up all the way over to Helen's. 
She walked out in a green number that plunged so far it could have been arrested for attempted suicide. Sure cure for cussing. Like it? The guy who went off the Golden Gate didn't have half the drop. Oh, stop perspiring and come on. Helen's mother lived in a 40-room vault on Long Island. We had a wonderful dinner. Soup, salad, pheasant on the glass. The only thing missing was cracked crab. Until Helen's mother suggested Monopoly, then I nearly shelled her and ducked her in the mustard. About one o'clock, my eyes felt like two three-minute eggs lost in a sand pile, so I gave up and went to sleep right in the middle of a tricky trade for my railroad. Helen apologized, looked at me hatefully when I suggested a piggyback ride to the car, and by two o'clock, she dropped me in front of my flat on 53rd. You were horrible. Oh, well, how did I know your mother had the electric company, too? No. I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Kiss? You can't even keep your eyes open. This is going to stop me. I do my best work with my eyes closed. No. All right. Honey, are you growing a beard? That's my mink coat. Oh. Night. Good night. Good evening, friend. Hmm? My name's Diamond? Yeah. What do you want? I got some laundry that belongs to you. That's nice. Nothing like getting your laundry at 2 o'clock in the morning. You got mine. We'll stop around about noon tomorrow and we'll swap. I'd like it now, friend. I gotta leave town. Oh, look, I'm a little tired, friend. I want the laundry. Yeah, well, you're dealing with a bad customer. I just traded Pennsylvania Avenue for one lousy railroad. What? Come back tomorrow, friend, and I'll give you your laundry and a detailed explanation. I want the laundry now. Now, look. You look. Well, if anything could have opened my little old sleepy blue eyes, it's that lovely gun. You look divine together. Now, let's go up and get the laundry. What's the matter? You got the only long underwear with sequins? Move. And I moved. Up to my little flat with the laundry man sticking close enough so I wouldn't forget the big gun on his hot little hand. We went in and traded bundles. You opened it, huh? Well, what did you want me to do? Put it on a table and offer up prayers? You're a little too wise for your own good, but I got what I wanted. No hard feelings. Yeah, well, I hope your socks fall down. You just stay put until I'm out of the building. Thanks, friend. Well, any other time, I might have done something ridiculous, like chasing the guy or calling Walt up and complaining about the inadequacy of the old police department. But this wasn't any other time. It was after two in the morning, and I was tired. Sure, it was unusual to trade laundry at that hour, but I was in no condition to try and figure it out. So I brushed my teeth, left my clothes in a neat pile in the corner, and stumbled into bed. Oh, no, no, I'll never get any sleep. I'm coming, I'm coming. Yeah? Mr. Diamond? Yeah, who is it? This is Mr. Green, Mr. Diamond. Well, thanks for calling, Mr. Green. Good night. Wait, wait, please wait, Mr. Diamond. This is Mr. Green, the man who owns the Bluebell Laundry. How's business? Can you come over to my apartment right away? Why? Someone's going to try and kill me. What time is it? Three o'clock. Look, can't you hide in a closet or something until noon? I tell you, someone's going to kill me. Oh, get in the closet and close the door. If anyone opens it, take a bite out of the nearest coat and head for the closest bright light. This is serious, Mr. Diamond. I haven't got much time. Well, if you don't think you can look like a moth, maybe I'd better drop around. 
What's your address? Savoy Arms, Apartment C. And hurry, I'm desperate. Well, if you're just half as desperate as I am sleepy, you're really in trouble. I'll be right over. I stumbled back into my clothes and downstairs and a quick walk down to park where I could grab a cab. Then ten minutes later, I was knocking at the door of Apartment C. No answer. I was about to try the door when it opened. Uh, Mr. Green? You're too late. Mr. Green. He opened the door all right, but that was as far as he got. He just slid down and stretched out on his stomach, head turned sideways, thick glasses pushed up at an angle, his weak eyes trying hard to see everything there was to see before they closed for good. I kneeled down beside him. Jones. Wrong laundry number. Jones. Green. Green. Well, everybody dies. He'd been shot just under the heart from the back. A warm breeze made me turn and look out the open window on the far side of the room leading out to a fire escape. I went over and looked out. Nothing. But it was a good bet that the killer had shot Green from there. I put in a call to Walt, and in ten minutes he was standing over Green. And this is the guy who owns the laundry and gave you the wrong bundle. That's right. How do you always get mixed up in things like this? Well, it's a talent. Did he say who he thought was after him? Oh, he just told me that he was in fear of his life. Now, what about the guy who shoved the gun in your face and took away the bundle of laundry? Oh, about my size. Had a hat on, light gray suit, brown eyes, heavy eyebrows, high cheekbones, very sharp features. Well, let's go down and run through the gallery, see if we can get an identification. Okay. But first, let's take a run down to the Blue Bell Laundry. Might be a good idea to find out what this is all about. Here it is, Lieutenant. Blue Bell Laundry. Oh, he read the sign. Hmm. If a guy with fangs and a long black cape answers, drive a stake through his heart. Or shoot him with a silver bullet. You keep your suggestions to yourself, Sergeant, or I'll open this door with your head. Uh, these keys are in better shape. I tell you, we can't use them. If no one answers, then we got to get a search warrant. Why? Because that's the law. What is? That we got to get a warrant to search the laundry. Well, what do you want to search the laundry for? What do I want to search it for? Because a man's just been killed. Okay, so what? What's that got to do with the laundry? The guy who was killed was the guy who owned the laundry. You told me yourself it had something to do with getting the bundles mixed up and that guy who stuck you up tonight. Okay, but you can't just go busting into a laundry just because of a stupid little old hunch. What do you mean, stupid? You could be wrong, you know. Just because you think you might solve this case, that's no reason for you to go busting into a laundry. Well, why not? The answer to this whole thing might just be in that laundry. Well, you've certainly been right in the past. No, not always. No, most of the time, Walt. Just lucky. Well, if you think it's best, here are the keys. You understand. Oh, sure, sure, Walt. Lieutenant. Yeah? Oh, nothing. You stay out here, Sergeant. Well, we're in. I hope the commissioner doesn't hear about it. About what? Breaking and entering. Breaking and... What? Why, you... You... Fiend? Yes. Walt hopped around for a while until he ran out of steam, and then we went to work and took the laundry apart. The way it stacked up, I had gotten the wrong bundle of laundry. The guy who'd stuck me up in two in the morning had gotten mine. So the bundle that I'd gotten by mistake figured to be pretty important. There must have been something else in there besides clean shirts. 
So, Green, the owner, made a mistake. Oh, but that's kind of hard to do, Walt. You've got to have a ticket to get your laundry. Ticket with a number on it? Well, sure. It should correspond to the numbers on those bins. Hey, wait a minute, wait yeah. a minute. Before Green died, he said something about a wrong number. And a name. What name? Uh, 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 Jones. Jones. Now, look, when I brought my laundry in, Green wrote my name and number down in a book. Let's see if we can find that book. Walt took one side of the shop and I took the other. Inside of ten minutes, we had the book. We turned to the page with deliveries dated for the day before and found my name. Now, here it is. Richard Diamond. Uh-huh. Laundry number 99. That's right. That was the number on the ticket I gave him. Then Green didn't make a mistake. But he'd have to to give you the wrong bundle. He couldn't get mixed up with the bins, Mark. Walt, turn that book around. Turn it around? Upside down. Huh. Now, if that number was on a ticket and I handed it to you upside down... 66. Yeah. Who's listed under 66? Say it's not on this page. Uh, here. Well, I'll be... John Jones. No address. <laughs> John Jones. Green had said Jones before he died. Jones had the laundry ticket marked 66. Green had evidently looked at my ticket upside down and given me Jones's bundle. Green couldn't have known anything important was in that bundle or he wouldn't have made the mistake. And then why was he killed? Doesn't figure. Well, if he was just a go-between, it does. He didn't put the important something in the bundle. Or he would have just held the bundle until Jones arrived and given it to him. Then the bundle came wrapped with the something in it. Now, now, look, Walt. You know how these small places work. They, they send their stuff out to a large laundry and cleaning plant. Yeah, but which one? Hey. Yeah, I got a shirt on it from that wrong bundle. I bet it's got a laundry mark. Should be on the collar. Let's see. Well, let's not strangle me, huh? Let me unbutton a few buttons. Scott. Well, go ahead, grabby. Let's see. Yeah, there's some writing on the collar. I'll read it out, and I'll write it down. Uh, eight, six, A, four, five, L. What kind of a laundry number is that? Find out, and you might have the guy who slipped something in that bundle and was responsible for Green's death. We went through the rest of the place, but found no evidence to show us what big plant Green sent his laundry to. I bowed out as gracefully as possible and went home to get some sleep. It was 4 a.m. when I stumbled into my flat with just one thought in mind. Sleep. And I got it in a hurry. Oh. Rick, come on now. Snap out of it. No. Come on, come on. Sit up. No, leave me alone. Somebody sapped you. Oh, I don't care if you split my head in sections. I went to sleep, didn't I? What happened to your shirt? My shirt? All right. Oh. Oh, so that's it. What's it? The shirt. That's what the guy was really after. Suppose it was Jones? Well, sure it was. Walt, when he, when he traded bundles with me, he didn't have any way of knowing that I'd taken a shirt out of it. That shirt was what made that bundle important. Those numbers on the collar. I checked. They weren't a laundry mark. Uh, you still got them? Yeah. Well, they sure mean something. Let's see if we can figure out just what. I gave Walt a pencil and paper, and we put our two brilliant minds to work trying to figure out the numbers that had been written on the collar of the shirt. Just numbers with two letters, A and L. 
Easy problem for two brilliant students of criminology. I got it. You have? Let's take the numbers down to the decoding department. Oh, that's what I like. Perseverance, a sharp mind, and nothing's too tough for us. Well, come on, come on, Arch. You've been working on those numbers for nearly five minutes. Well, I've been sick. Could this be a code for some kind of a pickup? Ah, guess it could be. Well, let's use times and dates. First number is eight. No, today's the eighth day. Well, the letter A could stand for A.M. Six A, six A.M. Could 88, six A.M. And 46L could be the where. Hmm, 46th in any street beginning with L. Out of the way corner. 46th in Lexington, and that's not out of the way. Oh, I'm sure glad you broke that code, Walt. Ah, experience and a little common sense. Come on, you and me are going over to 46th in Lexington. You and I, Walt. I could stand for idiot. That's another code, Arch. Fourth letter in Levinson. Oh, come on. We haven't got all morning. You're listening to Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Brought to you by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall Family Druggist. And here he is. Every woman will tell you that the ideal home antiseptic is one that will serve as a mouthwash, gargle, and breath deodorant, all with equal effectiveness. And that's exactly what Rexall MI-31 does. Well, now how did you know that? Because I read all about it in your big ad in this week's issue of Life. Say, isn't that a good ad? A whole page crammed full of top-quality Rexall products. Some of them at special bargain prices, good all this month. And every one of them just as reliable as Rexall MI-31, America's popular all-round mouthwash. What's more, Rexall gives you a full pint of MI-31 at the same price as other leading brands of smaller quantity. That's why I've learned to watch for your ads. I learn all about these wonderful money-saving values. And they always remind me of so many things I need, too. Then maybe I'd better tell our listeners that this same full-page ad is appearing in current issues of Collier's Look, Saturday Evening Post, and Country Gentleman. Check it carefully. And remember, you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. And now back to tonight's adventure with Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Yeah, this is a good spot. No one on the corner of 46th and Lexington yet. What time is it? Uh, five minutes to six. No, I hope we figure this out right. Car 86, car 86. No, that's us. Car 86, Levinson, go ahead. Sergeant Otis wants to speak with you, Lieutenant. Oh. Go ahead. Lieutenant, I checked and found out where the Bluebell Laundry sends its cleaning. Two companies, Monarch and the Superior Cleaning and Dying Works. Uh, Mr. Ralph Collins owns Monarch and... Uh, Mr. Arthur Levin owns Superior. Find out the addresses of the plants and the home addresses of the owners and then put a stake out at the homes of the owners. Don't pick them up, but stop them if they're trying to leave. Wilco, Roger and out. Oh, I'm surprised he didn't get tired of Roger and use McGillicuddy just to be different. Hey, Walt, there's our boy. Huh, Jones? Yeah, across the street on the corner. Same guy who got the bundle from me. Let's go. No one else yet. He's waiting for something. It's about two minutes to six. Yeah. A car pulling up. Jones is going over to it. Get going. 
guy in the car gave Jones a package. They spotted us. You get the car, I'll take Jones. Stop! Stop that car! Stop, Jones! Jones! Okay. Car got away, but I put some bullet holes in it. Drop the gun, Jones. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm hurt bad. Don't, don't shoot again. Get me an ambulance. Wait. Walt, he's got another bundle with him. I'll get back to the car and get the wire. I think you got me in the stump. You want to talk? Yeah, yeah, okay. What's in the bundle you got from the car? Junk. A hundred thousand in morphine. How did Green figure? Just a go between. He worked for the big boy. Took our money. Sent it in with an order for the stuff. Instructions in the collar of one of the shirts. Yeah. You killed Green? Yeah. Who's the big boy? Jones. Jones. My wagon's on the way. Uh, he's dead. What was he picking up? Narcotics. Well, Walt, we know the code was put in the laundry bundles at one of the cleaning works. Well, better bother. They've been checked. Yeah, and you can never tell what else might turn up. We waited until the wagon pulled up and carted Jones off, then we headed across town toward the first of two stops, the Superior Cleaning and Dying Works. 7.30, when we pulled up in front and let ourselves in with one of my pass keys. This is the only one we can check quietly. They open at eight, don't they? Yeah. Got a half an hour to make a noose for a pretty big operator. So we went to work on the superior laundry. Guys like Jones were caught every day, but the big boys, the ones who dished out the stuff from the top, the big syndicate operators were tough to catch. And here was a chance to catch one. We got into the office and found the order books. Jones appeared in nearly every one. This was the place where Green sent Jones's laundry. But it still doesn't prove enough. We've got to prove that the code was slipped in the bundle from this plant. Then we've got to find the guy who does it. Well, come on. We've got to work fast. This joint opens up in a half an hour. Hey, Walt, hold it. Car pull up outside. Yeah. I can see it out of the window. Rick, it's the same car that passed the junk to Jones. The one I put the bullets in. Hey, he's coming in. He's... He's coming up here. Get in the other room. Yeah, leave the door open. Hello, Mr. Levin. Yeah, Charlie. There was some trouble. Cops were waiting. Yeah. I'm down at the place. Uh, I got away clean. Uh, Jones had the bundle, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I'll blow. Let's take him. Hey! Hold it! He's making a break! Stop! He's got a gun! Blow him up! Well, he's had it. Yeah. Know him? Charlie Asher. Narcotics record. This shirt turned into a mess. Yeah. Let's go see Mr. Arthur Levin of Superior Cleaning and find out what kind of cleaning works he's been running. Hi, Lieutenant. You got the whole place surrounded. Levin hasn't tried to leave? He's been out of the house once, went to the garage. Have anything with him? Well, now, when he came out, went in with a big box. All right, let's take him. You better get out of sight, Otis. You'll see that uniform and get jumpy. Get down there in the end of the porch. All right. Yes? 
Police, Mr. Levin, we'd like to talk to you. Oh, well, uh, come in. Thank you. I was just going to my office. Where is your office, Mr. Levin? I own the Superior Cleaning and Dye Works. You do laundry for Mr. Green's Blue Bell Laundry? I do work for a lot of laundries. I believe that Mr. Green happens to be one of them. You know a man named Jones? I know more than one Jones. How about a man named Charlie Escher? Charlie? No. No, I don't know him. He called you 20 minutes ago. No, he didn't call me. You're very much mistaken. Now, would you mind telling me what this is all about? How many workers do you have at Superior, Mr. Levin? About 40. Any of them have police records? No, not to my knowledge. And you don't know Charlie Usher? No. No, I told you, I do not know him. Well, he had a key to the front door of your laundry. He used your office phone. I can't help that. He called a Mr. Levin. But I have never talked with a man named Charlie Usher. I swear I... What was in that box you brought in from the garage? Box? Books. Books. I brought some books in. Where are the books, Mr. Levin? Well, I already... I put them in the shelves in the library. What did you do with the box? I I, I burned it. Uh, I, I don't like dirty boxes lying around the house. You went outside and burned it? Yes, yes, in the incinerator. My men said you only came out of the house once, Mr. Levin. Then your men are mistaken. I went out twice, once to get the box, uh, the books, and the second time to burn the box. Look, what right have you got to hide outside my house and watch it like a bunch of burglars? I know my rights... I want to call my lawyer. Oh, sure, sure, Mr. Levin. You go right ahead and call your lawyer. In the meantime, we'll see if anything was burned in the incinerator. It would be burned out by now. That was uh, 20 minutes ago. About the time Charlie Usher called He you. did not call me. I don't even know him. Well, even if you did burn the box 20 minutes ago, Mr. Levin, there'd still be some smoking ashes. And if it wasn't burned in the incinerator, Mr. Levin, we'll take this house apart piece by piece until we find it. I'll go take a look. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, yes, Mr. Look, Levin. Look, I'm, I'm not sure I, I burned the box. Then you didn't go outside the second I, time? I, I don't know. I, I don't remember. I, I'm all mixed up. Look, you've got to give me time to think. Well, if you didn't go out the second time, the box is still in the house. Look, please, please do this. Give me time. What's me... in the box, Mr. Levin? Books, I told you. Books. Where is it? I don't know. Leave me alone now. Now, will you leave me alone? I know my rights. Start taking the house apart. No, wall. no, no, please. Where's the box? Please. The box, Mr. Levin, the box. Yeah, where's the box? Uh, under the sink. Where under the sink? There's a sliding panel under the kitchen sink. Narcotics, Mr. Levin? Yes. Yes. You marked the shirt collars and sent Charlie Usher to deliver the stuff. That's right. I had ten laundries working for me. Green was one of them. Uh, Ruined. Oh, relax, Mr. Levin. You can be happy about one thing. Jones and Usher didn't cooperate like you did. And they're both dead. Again, here's your Rexall family druggist. If you're often troubled with acid stomach, or if you're looking for a gentle, non-irritating way to achieve regularity, try Rexall Milk of Magnesia. Pure, mild, creamy, smooth, and with no unpleasant, earthy taste. Rexall Milk of Magnesia is justly popular. Buy the economy size, quart bottle. It costs only 69 cents at Rexall drugstores everywhere. And remember, you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall.
Richard Diamond, Private Detective, stars Dick Powell in the title role and is written by Blake Edwards with music composed and conducted by Frank Worth. Featured in tonight's cast were Ted DeCorsia, Wilms Herbert, Clayton Post, Sidney Miller, Virginia Gregg, and Stacey Harris. Richard Diamond, Private Detective, was transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. This is Bill Foreman inviting you to be with us next Wednesday at this time when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Hiya, beautiful. Get lost, Bristlepuss. You need a shave. But I have shaved. What else do you want me to do? Silly boy, she wants you to go stag. Go stag? But why? Because stag is Rexall's exclusive line of men's good grooming aids, like stag brushless shave cream. No fuss, no massage, just smooth it on and presto, you get a clean, close shave. Your face stays smooth and whiskerless all day long. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll go stag. That's it. Join the stag line now at Rexall drugstores everywhere. Yes, to make girls care. Go stag. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. There's entertainment in store for you every Wednesday night on NBC. In addition to the action-packed adventures of Richard Diamond, beginning next Wednesday, listen to Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman returning over most of these stations with their delightful series, The Halls of Ivy. In four weeks, laugh with Groucho Marx and you bet your life on NBC. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. I appreciated the realism of Diamond just being too tired to care about the guy coming for his uh, laundry that late at night. This is a fairly common scenario just because I can remember at least three cases. This, I think, being the third. There was one from Pat Novak and one from The Saint uh, involving mix-ups at the laundry as the uh, basis for some uh, criminal scheme. It's not as common as some of the others, like Boxing. But overall, I think it's a pretty good uh, mystery with a fair bit of action. All right, listener comments and feedback now. John comments regarding episode 2225, the uh, uh, 
Evans Farmer uh, murder case, uh, the Diamonds given an opportunity to earn $1,200, big money in those days. Uh, yeah, one thing you definitely have to keep in mind is inflation, because the amounts of money discussed that people make a big deal over seem silly until you take into account inflation. Like $1,200 a day would be about $12,000 in buying power. If you ever wonder how much something is worth in today's dollars, because I'm not going to do it for every single time a dollar amount's mentioned, just put in a search on Google for CPI calculator, and then you can um, convert at one of the links. The one I typically use is for the Bureau of Labor Statistics, ELS.gov. But you can uh, calculate, say, from a time in 1950 to 2017 and see what the dollar equivalent is. And then a uh, comment from Kevin. Richard Diamond is still my favorite old-time radio detective show. Missed the song this week. Maybe he'll sing two next week to make up. Uh, and by the way, am I the only one that thinks the Rexall druggist in the ads is the perfect voice for mortuary uh, commercials? Taking the second question first, I can kind of see that. It's not really an exciting voice that makes you uh, pay attention. Um, I think that there's a better case for using professional advertising men in that case. Um, I have noticed that the songs have tapered off in this second series of Richard Diamond, so it's not occurring every episode. And I definitely miss it. It's nice. And it's one of the hallmarks of the show. It's not essential, though, to each episode. And probably it was even a bit of a uh, budget concern, given that you have to pay royalties for any song that's not already in the public domain. And at this point, um, on radio, any song written after about 1894 that was any good would have gotten renewed and would be in the public would would not be in the public domain. So that may have been a contributing factor, just as well as a different focus in the program. Plus, it can lead to having to cut the main plot of the show a bit short. But still, I miss them. The good news is that there are all kinds of. Uh, recordings and radio programs out there with Dick Powell singing. It's just kind of nice to get the singing and the detective show in in one stop, I guess. All right, that'll do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Boston Blackie, and then next Wednesday, another episode of Richard Diamond. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.